Doran Neil Hurston, beloved folklorist instead of maidservant. The children of the Great Migration would reshape professions that, had their families not left, may never have been open to them, from sports and music to literature and art. Miles Davis, Ralph Ellison, Toni Morrison, August Wilson, Jacob Lawrence, Diana Ross, Tupac Shakur, Prince, Michael Jackson, Shonda Rhimes, Venus and Serena Williams, and countless others. The people who migrated would become the forebears of most African Americans born in the North and West. The Great Migration would expose the racial divisions and disparities that in many ways continue to plague the nation and dominate headlines today. From police killings of unarmed African Americans, to mass incarceration, to widely documented biases in employment, housing, health care, and education. Indeed, two of the most tragically recognizable descendants of the Great Migration are Emmett Till, a 14-year-old Chicago boy killed in Mississippi in 1955, and Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old Cleveland boy shot to death by police in 2014 in the city where his ancestors had fled. Their fates are a reminder that the perils the people sought to escape were not confined to the South, nor to the past. The history of African Americans is often distilled into two epochs, the 246 years of enslavement ending after the close of the Civil War and the dramatic era of protest during the Civil Rights Movement. Yet the Civil War to Civil Rights Axis tempts us to leap past a century of resistance against subjugation and to miss the human story of ordinary people, their hopes lifted by emancipation, dashed at the end of Reconstruction, crushed further by Jim Crow, only to be finally, at long last, revived when they found the courage within themselves to break free. A little boy boarded a northbound train with his grandmother and extended family, along with their upright piano and the rest of their worldly possessions, stuffed inside wooden crates, to begin their journey out of Mississippi. It was 1935. They were packed into the Jim Crow car, which, by custom, was at the front of the train, the first to absorb the impact in the event of a collision. They would not be permitted into the dining car, so they carried fried chicken and boiled eggs to tide them over for the journey. The little boy was four years old and anxious. He'd overheard the grown-ups talking about leaving their farm in Arkabutla to start over up north. He heard them say they might leave him with his father's people, whom he didn't know. In the end, they took him along. The near abandonment haunted him. He missed his mother, who would not be joining them on this journey. She was away trying to make a stable life for herself after the breakup with his father. He did not know when he would see her again. His grandfather had preceded them north, he was a hard-working, serious man who kept the indignities he suffered under Jim Crow to himself. In Mississippi, he had not dared stand up to some white children who broke the family's wagon. He told the little boy that as black people, they had no say in that world. There were things they could do that we couldn't, the boy would say of the white children when he was a grown man with gray hair and a son of his own. The grandfather was so determined to get his family out of the South that he bought a plot of land sight unseen in a place called Michigan. On the trip north, the little boy and his cousins and uncles and aunts, who were children themselves, did not quite know what Michigan was, so they made a ditty out of it and sang it as they waited for the train. Meatskin, meatskin, we're going to meatskin. They landed on freer soil, but between the fears of abandonment and the trauma of being uprooted from his mother, the little boy arrived with a stutter. He began to speak less and less. At Sunday school, the children bellowed with laughter whenever he tried. So instead, he talked to the hogs and cows and chickens on the farm, who, he said years later, don't care how you sound.
the little boy went mute for eight years. He wrote down the answers to questions he was asked, fearing even to introduce himself to strangers, until a high school English teacher coaxed him out of his silence by having him read poetry aloud to the class. That boy was James Earl Jones. He would go on to the University of Michigan, where he abandoned pre-med for theater. Later, he would play King Lear in Central Park and Othello on Broadway, win Tony Awards for his performances in Fences and in The Great White Hope, and star in films like Dr. Strangelove, Roots, Field of Dreams, and Coming to America. The voice that fell silent for so long would become among the most iconic of our time, the voice of Darth Vader in Star Wars, of Mufasa in The Lion King, the voice of CNN. Jones lost his voice and found it because of the Great Migration. It was responsible for all that I am grateful for in my life, he told me in a recent interview in New York. We were reaching for our gold mines, our freedom.